0: Hello, I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3, founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We have a special guest with us today. Dr. Ryan Prusha, is a podiatrist with Avera Medical Group Brookings and is back on the show to share his knowledge about our medical concerns with our feet and ankles. Good morning, Dr. Prusha.
1: Good morning. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Yeah.
0: Thanks for being back. Now, how long have you been in Brookings?
1: Uh, so we're coming up on a year now. Okay. I've been at Avera. Um, September 1st of last year was when I started. So
0: All right. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we're happy to have you here. If I know you've been on a couple times before, but uh, remind our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you came from and your family.
1: Yeah, so I'm Ryan Pruscia. I'm a doctor of podiatric medicine. Um, I am originally from Iowa, central Iowa. Um, that's where I did all of my, my school and residency and everything, and then um, came up here to, to Brookings to kind of establish a, a practice. So um, I'm married, I have five young kids, and, and we, we're loving everything about Brookings so far.
0: Excellent. And you had one of those babies since you've been here, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So we've
1: had our youngest, Landon, since we've Landon. been here. So. Okay. Yep. They, right. they keep us nice and busy, and but it's always fun.
0: You have a couple in school now?
1: Yes. Okay. I have a second grader and a kindergartner. So they far go to, so good? Yeah. They yeah. love all in school for sure.
0: Good. Um, yep. Yeah. So many great teachers around here. So we're thankful for those great experiences for our kiddos. What made you interested in podiatry?
1: um so it was a couple things um the first one i think from like a a patient standpoint is that uh, we can have such a big impact on people's lives with mobility Um, it's so important for people to get out and move around and and be able to do that pain free so uh, we can really have a a big important impact on their lives Um, and then the other the other kind of half of that is why podiatry specifically from my standpoint is that um, I can have more of a normal home life where you don't have um, a lot of on-call situations. So mm-hmm. that was always super important with me to, to spend time with my now big family. So.
0: Yeah. The, you're right. Mobility and our feet. I mean, if your feet hurt or aren't doing what you need them to do... Uh, that really limits a lot of things, doesn't it? For yeah. our overall health, so. Yep,
1: it absolutely does. Yeah. Even just a little, little bit yeah. of pain cannot make you want to go do your normal activities mm-hmm. or, or, get exercise, which is we know is super important. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a, always a good thing to keep people moving.
0: Yeah. So Dr. Prusha, I thought I'd start by asking you about one of the things that kind of grosses me out about feet <laughs> in general. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind feet at all. Um, I usually wear my sandals all summer long and walk around our house barefoot. But there's two places that make me think twice about going barefoot: dressing rooms and uh, going through airport <laughs> security. Uh, I think about all the bare feet that I've walked through there, and usually it's like a gross carpet. Is this a legitimate thing to be concerned about? Can I pick up some disease there, Doctor Prussia, or uh, are the are the chances <laughs> of this slim to none, and I should stop worrying about it? <laughs>
1: uh, so it is; it's pretty slim to pick up something from those conditions. Okay. Um, it, when we think about things you could possibly catch, it would be like foot fungus would be the most most common thing. Um, usually for that to kind of take off and, and be a problem. It has to be really like wet, um, warm, moist environment. So, okay. Um, and hopefully the, the airport is spraying things down pretty frequently to sure. avoid problems like that.
0: Yeah. But. Yeah. I usu- If I'm going to be wearing my, if it's a summer trip and I'm wearing my sandals, I usually just throw a pair of socks in my backpack and yep. quickly put them on as I walk through security yeah, not so a that bad I idea. don't have to <laughs> touch the carpet yes. there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but so I was, yeah, I wasn't sure if that was a legitimate thing or just something weird about, weird about me. So I don't have to worry about it too much, it sounds like. No. Okay, sounds good. Related to that, is it okay to go around barefoot? You know, we're still in these hot summer days. Is it okay to go around barefoot? Is it okay to let our kids run around barefoot? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so I think um, for kids at least, uh, it's important to definitely do some barefoot um, at times. Obviously, you want to worry about like splinters and and sharp rocks and things like that. But at the same time, they do need to have um, bare feet so that they can develop the proper muscles and things in their feet. So um, we don't want them in shoes all the time, but of course there are situations where that is better. Um for adults, it, it all kind of depends on your your foot type and structure. There are definitely um, certain foot types that would require more uh, supportive orthotics or supportive shoes. So um, it, it's kind of a more case by case basis, but
0: okay, going back to the little ones, I was just remembering i my my kids are not that little anymore. Their feet are big now, but I was just remembering when they were little, we had these cutest the cutest little leather kind of slippers that we would use sometimes when it was chilly out or whatever and we didn't do a lot with like hard sole shoes until they were quite a bit older is that Is there, is that what's recommended for their little development or for little ones? Are you recommending shoes? Yeah.
1: yeah, So that's perfectly fine in most cases. Um, of course there are some, some certain situations with foot deformities and things where a certain orthotic or, or a way to control how the foot is hitting the ground. But, um, typically most of the time barefoot or, or less structural shoe gear is okay and, and good to develop some of those muscles in the feet.
0: Okay. Excellent. Well, let's go to our first break, and we'll give our listeners an opportunity to call in with your questions. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group.
2: Attention drivers, there are many bikers on the road. Please remember these rules. Share the road. Bicyclists have the same rights to the road as motor vehicles do. It is the law to allow three feet between your car and the bicyclist. Give bicyclists space on the road. When turning right, look right before proceeding. Always check the sidewalks as well as the traffic lanes when merging or turning. Slow down and watch for pedestrians and bicyclists. The Avera Medical Group Brookings encourages drivers as well as bikers to help prevent accidents.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we have Dr. Ryan Pruscia here to answer our medical questions. Dr. Pruscia is a podiatrist with Avera Medical Group Brookings. Give us a call with your questions related to feet and ankles at 605-692-1430. 692-1430. 30. Dr. Prush, I was recently talking with a friend who had been in a car accident many, many years ago and hurt her foot, and her foot's all healed and is she and she's fine, other than her big toe was injured and has toenail fungus that just hasn't gone away. I hadn't really heard of that before. Is it common for an injured nail to develop toenail fungus?
1: So it's, it definitely does increase the chance of getting some fungus in there. Okay. Um, other things that can happen is... Um, I don't know if the toenail fell off at any point, but sometimes you can actually get um, abnormal thickening or changes within the nail that aren't related to fungus, but could, could kind of mimic what a fungal nail would look like. Um, but sometimes when there's, there's damage in the cells of the nail matrix, so from where the nail grows from, you can get changes that, that would resemble kind of nail fungus. Um, Occasionally we will uh, sample that and see if it does have fungus in it, Mm -hmm. and then we could treat it appropriately. But um, yes, it is is common for sometimes a a traumatic injury to a toenail to lead to either just dystrophic changes or changes of the nail Mm -hmm. or a fungus. So, okay. Yep, that does happen.
0: And how do you treat a toenail fungus usually?
1: Um, so there's a little bit of variation in that. Um, sometimes if they're they're very thick and have significant changes for a long time, we'll just manage them more conservatively. So with just aggressive trimming and um, things we can do to soften up the nail to prevent chipping and cracking. So that would be sometimes as simple as using a little bit of Vicks VapoRub that you can get off the shelf in the store. Um, if we catch the the fungus early enough, there are some some treatments that we can attempt with either uh, prescription topicals that you can apply to the nail, um, or there are there is an oral medication that can be used too. Um, but
0: for trying to catch it early, how do you do that? What what should we be watching for?
1: Yeah, so if you're if you're looking at your toenails and you see some yellow streaking, or or if the nail is lifting off, or there is Increased thickness of the nail, those would be things that would indicate that there is some nail fungus in there.
0: Okay. Uh, A lot of us ladies like to paint our nails, especially in the summer. I've heard that you're supposed to take a break from (laughs) toenail polish. Is that a true thing or not?
1: (laughs) There is kind of a debate on that. Okay. Um, And I don't don't think there's a uh, a known answer. Not a solid answer. There is any association with nail fungus and and toenail polish. Okay. um, Yeah. Nail fungus is super common. We do see it a lot. Um, it's everywhere in our environment, and the soil outside, so it's really easy to get a little bit of toenail fungus. So
0: Very, very common.
1: Yes, we see a lot of it, absolutely. Yeah, nothing
0: yep. we really did wrong, just nope. living life and out in the world. And Yep, and, like-
1: and it is something people are a little self-conscious of sometimes, but mm-hmm. um, just know we see it all the time, so if you do want to come talk about it and kind of go through options, we're available.
0: Okay, sounds good. Dr. Prusa, we had a question come in. A man has a callus or a corn on his foot. What's the best way to deal with that?
1: Yeah, so um, things you can do at home is uh, you could always try kind of shaving or filing the callus off with uh, like a pumice stone, a nail file. Um, they do make specialized foot files that you could try also. Okay. Um and then the other thing is figuring out why that callus is there. So, is there is there pressure in that area because of a bony prominence or a way that the person walks? Um, so, there are things we can do to try to offload that area so that there's not as much pressure. Um, sometimes calluses can get thick enough that we actually have to do, sh- we do shave them down in clinic. Okay. Um, so, we use like sharp instruments to to remove the callus so that it isn't as painful.
0: Okay. What's the difference between a callus and a corn?
1: Yeah. So corn typically is between the toes. Um, ah. Callus is, is on the bottom of the foot. But okay. you can use them pretty interchangeably. Okay. Too.
0: Yeah. So a corn is a type of callus. Yes. Yep. yes. Okay. Yep. So they're all the same, kind of the yes. same. It's just a location thing mostly. Yep.
1: And it's just a buildup of the extra dead skin cells in an area, um, usually associated with increased pressure.
0: Okay. All right. Good to know. Um Dr. Prusha, I've been hearing about a couple different examples lately where people have jumped or fallen from a higher place and landed on some concrete and shattered their heels. Yes. Sounds awful. Yeah. Um, tell me about that and how, how do you normally replace <laughs> some, or um, repair something like bones in the heel?
1: Yeah. So, uh, calcaneal fractures are, are something we do see and it is typically associated with a, a fall from a substantial height, um. First thing is, is always go get evaluated, get some x-rays, um, and then a lot of times we'll actually do imaging of the back too of the spine because mm-hmm. of those high impact injuries can uh, result in, in fractures of the spine too. Um, but for those there's, uh, we either decide to treat them conservatively. So with non-weight bearing, um, and that's usually for six to eight weeks, um, or we can repair them surgically. And usually that's based on if there's loss of height of the calcaneus. So, um, if you think of the calcaneus bone, what is, is
0: that now? The calcaneus So that's bone. the heel bone. The heel bone. Okay. Yep, so
1: that is the heel. Um, All right. so it's in the, the rear foot. And if you think of it kind of like a shell of an egg, um, with that height, high-impact injury, it actually can can crush into itself and lose a lot of height. And that's where you run into problems long-term. Okay. And we'd be more likely to fix it surgically um, okay. with those types of injuries.
2: So
0: it sounds like in many cases, sometime, it kind of heals itself. You said just kind of yep. don't put weight on it for six yes. to eight weeks. So if
1: it's a less severe um, fracture mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of loss of height and, and basically... The bone is in good alignment still, Mm -hmm. then we can just treat that conservatively Mm -hmm. um, without doing surgery with non weight bearing.
0: And then, if you need to do surgery, what's happening when you do surgery? Are you adding material? Are you connecting? Tell me more. How yeah, does this
1: work? So basically we're, we're trying to put all those pieces of the eggshell exactly mm-hmm. back into the alignment that they're in. Um, okay. and then the most important thing with that is restoring the height of the bone, okay. um, so that you can have normal gait in mm-hmm. the future. Yeah. Um, it is an injury that involves uh, a joint, too, typically. There's a subtalar joint, which is the, the joint just above the heel bone. Okay. Um, so it can have consequences long term that lead to arthritis and, and other things down the road. But okay. um, really, we're just trying to piece it back and, and get it back into the, the alignment that it started with.
0: All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605 692 1430 with any questions you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group.
2: Be aware, with warmer weather, you may find ticks. Ticks live in grassy, bushy, or wooded areas. Spending time outside walking your dog, camping, gardening, or hunting can bring you in close contact with ticks. To prevent ticks from attaching, treat your clothes and gear with products containing 0.5% permethrin. Permethrin can be used to treat boots, clothing, and camping gear and remains protective through several washings. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we have Dr. Ryan Prusha here to answer our medical questions. Dr. Prusha is a podiatrist with Avera Medical Group Brookings. Give us a call with your questions related to feet and ankles at 605 692 1430. 692 1430. Dr. Prusha, what is Charcot foot?
1: Um, so Charcot foot is, um, it's an interesting condition. Um, it's typically associated with uncontrolled diabetes, mm-hmm. um, which that leads to neuropathy. So neuropathy is loss of sensation in, in the extremities. Um Occasionally when that happens, um, basically the body has a, a strange reaction where it just increases blood flow, um, to the foot and, and a lot of blood flow. Mm. Um, the result of that is that the bones in the midfoot actually wash out, um, and, and get really soft and brittle, um, which result in significant fractures, um, When that happens, we we initially treat that with non-weight-bearing so that we can protect those soft bones from getting significant deformities. Um, And then occasionally down the line, we do have to to do foot reconstructions and and things like that so that people can have a good weight-bearing foot, but um, it is a a very severe condition. Um, Usually, uh, the kind of the symptoms to look for if you're diabetic and have neuropathy um, would be a, a sudden onset of pain, um, also swelling, um, redness in that extremity, warmth, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and those are important things to look out for anytime you're a diabetic. Um, so that would be a, definitely a good reason to come in and see us.
0: Okay. Now when you say non-weight bearing is like the way we treat it. So I'm picturing we, we're sitting, but right. obviously we got to get up and do it. So is that when we use a boot? Is that for non-weight? Or how do, we, how do you do life and be non-weight bearing
1: yeah good question um so we do immobilize things with a boot okay. but then with that you, c- you can put absolutely no weight on that foot because the bones are so soft so um, depending on the patients that's that's crutches a knee scooter um, walker wheelchair even sometimes because it's it's really critical that no weight is put on that that foot while those bones are soft okay. um, that that process can take a month or two, um, and then those bones do start to consolidate and get hard again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at that point, we typically get people walking again, but in a specialized boot um, that that relieves certain pressure areas on the foot.
0: Okay. Gotcha. And so it sounds like a lot of times people will heal or make a recovery to a certain extent from this. Yes. Okay.
1: Yep. yep. That's that's the idea is just... um, preventing deformity so that that person can have a good weight-bearing foot.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about bunions. I know those are another common thing that you probably deal with. What causes bunions and what what are they?
1: Um, So uh, bunion deformity is uh, the kind of the medical term is hallux abducto valgus. Um, And basically it's a deformity where uh, at the first toe joint you get The metatarsal bone moves medially or toward the inside of the foot. Mm -hmm. And then the toe itself drifts laterally, so toward the lesser toes. Mm -hmm. Um, When that happens, you can get pain in a couple areas. um, Where the big toe is hitting the second toe is a common spot. And then the other one is, um, along the inside of that big toe joint. Um, because as it, it gets bigger, it gets more difficult to get shoe gear that'll fit properly. Mm -hmm. And that area can rub on shoes and, and be painful.
0: What causes these things to happen, Dr. Brescia?
1: So a lot of it is, is genetics. Um, Some people are just kind of destined to have them. And if you do look at at families, a lot of times they will be generational where someone's mom had bunions mm-hmm. and, and a lot of other people in the family, so mm-hmm. um, it, there's definitely a genetic component to it.
0: Got it. Um, and can they be treated?
1: Yeah. Yep. So okay. we, we usually do start with conservative things. So uh, simplest things are wearing uh, wide toe box shoes so that area doesn't rub on shoes. Um, And then there are certain cushions and things like that that we can use as well um, to kind of to Accommodate the areas of of increased pressure Um, It is another one that we commonly treat surgically, too Mm -hmm. Um, So we go and and do a number of different procedures that can realign that first ray and and get everything back into place where it goes
0: Okay How and tell me more about how that works. Do you have to put something in there to help support that bone then?
1: Um, so it's really patient dependent, um, okay. so we take x-rays every time um, someone comes in with a bunion deformity mm-hmm. um, and that can kind of tell us uh, what surgical procedure we should use to fix that bunion. Okay. Um, the most common one we do is, is called a lapidus bunionectomy and that's where we actually go back to the joint um, further back in the foot and we perform an arthrodesis or a fusion of that joint which realigns the the first ray back into where it should be okay Uh, when we do that we do use um staples okay it's kind Mm -hmm. of a a more modern thing it used to be traditionally done more with uh, plates or screws Mm -hmm. um, but now we use nitinol staples that allow for dynamic compression Mm. across that fusion site Mm -hmm. so
0: if I'm understanding this correctly, it's it's bones that are way back in your foot, uh, not not out in the toe. So yeah, right, everything's yep. just connected, and one thing causes issues for the next, huh? Yeah.
1: So, so yeah. Um, yep. So if you go back from the big toe joint, there's another joint called your first tarsal metatarsal joint, and um, that's really kind of where the deformity comes from, as that big okay. uh, first metatarsal tips out. Um, so we call that hypermobility, mm-hmm. and that can lead to bunion deformity. So we actually go in and, and fuse that joint together so that it's not mobile anymore and gets things back into alignment.
0: All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We have a few minutes left if you'd like to give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430, 605 to 1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group.
2: The grass is growing, and that means it's time to mow. Please remember these safety measures to protect your health. Wear goggles, hearing protection, gloves, and long pants. Always wear sturdy closed toed shoes while mowing the lawn. Do not drink alcohol or use other substances before or while using your lawnmower. Do not remove safety devices or guards on the mower and never insert hands or feet into the mower to remove grass or debris. Parents, teach these safety measures to your children this safety tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we have Dr. Ryan Prusha here answering our medical questions. Dr. Prusha is a podiatrist with Avera Medical Group Brookings. Dr. Prusha, a question for you. Why don't women get gout?
1: Um, so women do get gout. Okay. Um, it's definitely more common in men. Um, but women can get gout also. So, um, what happens in, in gout is it's basically a condition where you have too much uric acid in your bloodstream. Um, and then when we notice gout is when those crystals or the uric acid actually crystallizes, um, most common place that that happens is in the, the big toe joint. Um, if you think about um, if you have a cup of water with a bunch of sugar in it the colder that water is the more um, crystals you're going to have in there so it's similar with gout where the lower temperature of your feet causes crystallization of that uric acid Um, so it's it is a very painful condition Um, it's it's really severe when it comes on and you can't even touch The area, and a lot of times people will say, I can't even have a bed sheet on it because it hurts so bad. Mm. So, um, and there are certain medications that we can use to treat that gout flare. So, when there's actually crystallization, um, mm. and then sometimes we'll, we'll even actually pull some of the fluid out of the joint to send it off to the lab and, and confirm that diagnosis of gout. Um, so, but Uh, there's also a big dietary component to it as well. Um, so you, you try to avoid high uric acid foods. Um, and a couple of those are, uh, hoppy beer and red meat. So I don't (laughs) know, maybe that's kind of a Uh, contributing factor for, for guys. (laughs) Sure.
0: Good to take notice of those things though, I guess, huh? So if you have a flare up, how, what is the, what? time lapse from maybe when you consume something like that to when you might have a flare up is it like a few hours usually or Um, if you want to try to trace what's causing your flare up
1: yeah and it's tough it's it is it takes a long time to accumulate that so it's not necessarily like if you go have a a big steak or a beer that you're necessarily going to have a flare up correlated with that okay um so it's a buildup yep, over time, yep.
0: weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it. there is a, and we do, we will draw a uric acid lab, um, to see where their l- uric acid level is in the blood. So, um, and then there are medications we can use to lower that down. Okay.
0: But Another common, uh, I, th- I believe common foot, uh, concern is hammer toes. Talk to us about hammer toes.
1: Yeah. So a uh, hammer toe is a, a contraction of the toe. Um, It typically occurs in the the lesser toes, so toes two through five, with two and three kind of being the most common. Um, And what happens with with that condition is there's actually um, bigger, stronger muscles up in your lower leg that go and insert onto the toe, and um, those muscles basically overpower the smaller muscles in your foot that are trying to keep your toe straight. So when that contraction occurs, it, it can definitely cause some pain. Um, it can cause different areas of pressure, both on the top of the toe and increased pressure in the forefoot, too, because it's basically not hitting the ground normally. So, mm. um, And again, with that, we do have conservative things we can try with padding or um, certain devices that can try to hold the toe in a little bit straighter position. Um, but we do fix those surgically as well.
0: Okay. Are toes hereditary or?
1: Definitely a hereditary yeah, okay. component to yeah. that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. It's good to take notes about all of the things our parents have, right? Yeah. So yep. we <laughs> can be prepared for these things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to make you know uh, what what we might have to think about and look forward to with all these different things. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Foot concerns are very common, it sounds like. And uh, if we have some of these things, sounds like we have some good options for ways to treat them or to help deal with them and not be quite so painful. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we really try to to tailor our treatment plans to exactly what the the patient is looking for, whether that's conservative options or or surgical. So,
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you for all the great information today, Dr. Prusa. Before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Join us this coming Thursday for an encore On Call with the Prairie Doc. Prairie Doc host Dr. Andrew Ellsworth is joined by Dr. Tyler Harrell, a podiatrist, and Dr. Gregory Neely, a foot, ankle, and knee surgeon from the Orthopedic Institute in Sioux Falls, as they talk with us and discuss foot and ankle orthopedics. Tune in starting at 7 p.m. Central on SDPB or streaming on our Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow The Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Ryan Prusha for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.